Well, good morning, Berlin International Community Church. It is wonderful to be in your city. I've been to Germany before, but never to Berlin. And so I've been enjoying my time here. And wow, what a great series, superpower series you've been having. Have you come expectant this morning? See, I believe God's going to move in your life today. But before I get into my word, I always want to give honor where honor is due. And so I would like to take a moment to honor your incredible pastors, Pastor Steve, Pastor Karen, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Vera, for the work they do. It's wonderful. I've been so inspired hearing their story yesterday and today that they would come faithfully all the way from the United States of America to plant a church in Berlin. If that's not crazy, I don't know what it is. But praise God for faithful people. And uh, I believe you've not seen anything yet. We serve a God that is in the signs and wonders business. And he's not finished in the city of Berlin. So uh, I'm excited to be a part of it. And I'm believing that today is your day. Today is your day. So let me pray for you in just a moment. But before I do that, I, I travel a lot. I'm very fortunate in what I get to do, preaching the gospel all over the world. And my favorite travel partner is my wife. I, I'm married to one woman. Praise God for that. Hey? And we have a miracle child. And her name's Lila. They're going to show you my family just here. There they are. Wow. Do you know... <laughs> Every time I look at Lisa, my wife, I know there is a God. <laughs> there is a God. And, and, and this is our miracle. This is Lila and uh, Lila Hope. And as I said, I'm going to share my story, some of my story in just a moment. But if you've never seen a miracle, put up that next photo if you could, please. You have now. There she is. There she is. We were told that we may never have children. But I serve a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that's our miracle right there. So anyway, they send their, their greetings, and I want to pray for you and then get into the Word. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do indeed thank you for all that you have accomplished already through this wonderful church. But Lord, we're believing that there's so much more to come. And so Holy Spirit, we invite you to make your way in this place, to have your way in this place. Father, I ask that every man, woman, and child under the sound of my voice will leave this place different to the way they came in. Lord, I ask that minds will be renewed, that souls will be refreshed, that hearts will be transformed. God, we're believing for miracles and salvations to take place in your church this morning and a faithful church said amen and amen I'm, I'm a little bit different to the the usual Englishman so I get a bit excited I might sweat and shout a little bit but that's only because I love Jesus <laughs> the title of my message is this if you're taking notes and I'm preaching three different messages today so uh, this is the first one so get ready get ready it is this it is victory in the valley Victory in the Valley. On April the 24th, 2015, 
My world was changed in a moment. Lisa and I, well, Lisa had been carrying our first child, a girl that we had named Elle. We thought we had made it. We had got to the nine-month mark. We were three days before her due, her due date. When all of a sudden, we went into hospital. And my, they, they, they couldn't find a, a, a heartbeat. And so our first little girl was born without a beating heart and, and, and no breath in her lungs. She, she bypassed earth and went straight to heaven. We were not expecting it. It came as a massive shock. And it pushed our faith to the very limit. But in that moment, we made a decision. We made a decision that, that even though we do not always understand why things turn up and why things show up in our life, we were going to decide to hang on to God, that we were going to trust in Him even when things don't make sense. And so that is what I want to talk to you about today. You see, I wonder if you have ever been in a valley, a dark place, a place where the mountaintop looks too high to climb? Have you been in a dry place, a lonely place, a place of no hope, a tired place? Have you ever found yourself in a valley? I want to start my assignment today from a passage in Exodus. And, and just to bring you up to speed with what is happening before this story, I need to tell you that the Israelites have just escaped oppression from the Egyptian army via the crossing of the Red Sea. They are now in freedom, although many of them are not happy. Despite the fact God has provided manna from heaven and fresh water from a rock, they are still not happy. And we pick up the story here in Exodus chapter 17. And, and they're going to put it up on the big Berlin Bible. And you can follow it with me. It says this, starting in verse 8. It says, The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Now let me just tell you who the Amalekites were. They were a fierce nomadic tribe that lived in the desert region by the Dead Sea. They made their living by conducting frequent raids on other settlements, killing for pleasure and carrying off other people's goods. They were known as the pirates of the desert. But today, they had picked on the wrong people. Oh, I love it when a bully picks on the wrong person. And so the story says, Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men to go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with a staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. 
And so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. And verse 15 says, And Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner, which in Hebrew is Jehovah Nisi, for hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord. Wow. Well, we are straight into the action. There is no messing about. The Word of God says that the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites. It wasn't the other way around. And so the Israelites had to do something. They had to respond. They had to take action. Now, either, either they are, we, we don't know if they were prepared, but, but either they, 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 they stand there and, and stand back and allow the enemy to take the ground that they have already conquered, or they take a deep breath and they stand up and fight against that which has come against them. Oh, thankfully, these Israelites made the right choice. You see, courage is more than just stepping up to the line. My definition of courage is this. It is doing what needs to be done, even when you don't feel like doing it. That's courage. That's courage. Getting out of bed to face your day takes courage for some people. Going to a doctor's appointment, even though the news that you are going to receive isn't going to be good, takes courage. Ending an unhealthy relationship takes courage. Walking through the doors of Berlin Church for the first time takes courage. Courage comes in different forms, but the most courageous people are those who do what needs to be done, even when you don't feel like doing it. Oh, I wonder, are there any courageous Berlin people in church today? You see, when I read this account in Exodus, I see courage demonstrated. But I also cannot help drawing parallels to what we walk through in our day-to-day life. When we look at this account, this one fight is taking place in two places. One fight, Moses, Moses' fight is in the endurance of the mind, the, in spirit, the spiritual endurance that needs to kick in when all hell is breaking loose. It is keeping God at the center of your focus, even when it feels like or it looks like God has abandoned you. Moses' fight represents the internal str- struggles. Joshua's fight, on the other hand, is physical, hand-to-hand combat. It's the action that you have to take on the outside to claim back the ground that the enemy has tried to take from you. He represents the daily decisions that you have to make which everyone else can see. He represents the external fights. So the Bible says the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites. They didn't ask them for a fight. They didn't arrange a fight. They weren't expecting a fight, but the fight was on. And some of you today knows exactly what that feels like. You didn't ask for your children to be sick, but the fight is on. You were not expecting to lose your baby or lose that loved one, but the fight is on. You were supposed to be employed for that company for the rest of your days, but they've let you go, and the fight is on. You never 
never thought that you would have to battle depression, but the fight is on. You never thought stress would walk into your life, but the fight is on. You do not think that you can break that addiction, but the fight is on. You see, whether you know it or not, the enemy is trying to take you out. But I have good news for you today. For when you know our Father in heaven, then you live from a place of victory. You pray from a place of victory. You walk from a place of victory. You fight from a place of victory. You can even rest. (laughs) You can even rest from a place of victory. You see, I love to watch my, my favorite football team live at the stadium. Okay, and, and they're called Watford. Are there any Watford fans in here? Oh, come on, come on. Now, there's one of you. Come on, thank you for your support. Perhaps there's um, some Hertha Berlin fans. Why a couple of you? Any uh, Borussia Dortmund fans? Any Bayern Munich fans? Oh, I'm, uh, oh, I'm going to pray for you. I saw you, I saw you. I'm going to pray for you after the service. But you know, I, I love going to the stadium and, and watching my team live, but, but I can get so into the game that, that, that I get so worked up and by the end of the game, I can feel so exhausted. It's almost like I've been playing the game myself. But it's amazing that when I get home later that night and I know that my team has already won, it is amazing how I can sit back and relax with my uh, Starbucks coffee and my curry versed sausage. Yeah, I've been doing my research. Not tense at all because I know that even if we're losing the game, we come back and we win the game. You see, here is my point. It is amazing the approach you take in life when you know you have already won. Oh, come on, somebody. And I love how Moses shows us this. He teaches us in this passage that if you win the internal battles, if you win the battle of your mind, it is amazing the victories you will have in the way you walk. Now, I'm sure most of you have noticed that not all fights are physical fights. You can be in a verbal fight, a silent fight. You can fight for a cause that you believe in. People fight when they feel trapped. Fighting comes in various ways, but the, the biggest and most frequent battles are in the mind. They're in the mind, the battles of the mind. It's interesting to me that your, your, your deepest conflicts take place in the top two inches of your head. This is where you do most of your fighting. And this is why the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 12, chapter 2, that we are not to conform to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing means to replace, to replenish, to rejuvenate something that is broken or worn out. No wonder the enemy is after your mind. He is after your control tower, for he knows that if he can take your mind, then he can tumble your tower. 
He wants to get into your thoughts so that he can breed fear and anxiety and stop you achieving the destiny and the future and the great plans that God has already mapped out for your life. That is why the Bible says that we are to guard our hearts and renew our minds every single day. You know, when I say control tower, I think of a tower at an airport. Just imagine if, if the control tower at Berlin Tegel International Airport goes down. You will bring a big operation to its knees Commotion and chaos will ring out, for here is where most of the communication is done. It is the coordination for incoming and outgoing flights. Now, most of us will, will never see, visibly see, the inside of that control tower. But all of us would see the catastrophic results if that tower was not there. Oh, you can get through your valley. You will get through your valley when you give your mind over to the Lord, when you allow him into your tower. Oh, he will allow you to fly your own plane. But ultimately, I need him guiding my path. I need him directing my steps. And so I wonder this morning, who do you allow into your control tower? Who do you allow into to this place, what are you filling your mind with? Victory in the valley is yours, but I want to give you three reminders that is going to help you walk through it today. Oh, you didn't hear me. You see, I'm not camping in the valley. I'm not setting up my home in the valley. I'm not re residing in the valley. I'm walking through it, baby. I'm walking through it. And so I want to give you three quick keys that are going to help you pass through your valley. And it says this, number one, you must understand that you are not alone. You are not alone. You may feel like you are in the darkest place. You may feel isolated. You may feel or you may not see God in the way you are right now. But Psalm 23 says that God is with me. It says that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not be in want. Even though I pass through, I walk through, I glide through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even in the greatest depths of your despair and your challenges, God is closer to you than you think. You have not been designed to walk this side of life out all by yourself. Turn it over to God. Allow Him today to take you by the hand and walk with Him. He is the faithful shepherd. He will lead you beside still waters, but you are the one that has to follow him. You are the one that has to trust him. Stop trying to work everything out all by yourself. Give it to God and allow him to lead you. Too many of us fight alone, especially the brothers, my men. Oh, we like to fight alone. But most fights, most real fights that we encounter in life are too big to tackle all by yourself. 
You need the Lord. You need his armor. His shoulders are big enough to carry you. You see, when you allow God to take you by the hand, even when you cannot see where he is leading you, his light will pierce your darkest night. His lamp will be a light unto your feet. His light will fill you with hope from the tips of your toes to the top of your head. Don't shut out the light. Don't run from the light. Don't fight the light. Allow his light to fight for you for exposure to his light will help you it will heal you it will move you forward one step at a time for darkness cannot stand in the presence of light oh I'm just getting warmed up if you don't believe me when you go home tonight turn on your bedroom light and you watch what happens to the darkness it has to run It has to run. Now, not only does Moses recognize that he needs God with him to win, but he is also very intentional in bringing uh, some friends to stand alongside him. He knows that there is power in allowing the right people to come around you. I say the right people because look who he brought with him, Aaron and Hur. People he knew, people he trusted, people he did life with. Now Moses is the one who seems to be remembered most for the victory in this passage, but his friends played a huge part in the success of his battle. For when fatigue and tiredness and frustration crept in, it was his friends who stepped up. Oh, what a joy it is to have friends who pull you up when you're feeling down or bring you close when you're drifting away. Thank God that Moses was not too prideful to ask somebody for help. I mean, let's not forget, this is the, Mo- the great Moses we're talking about, the hero of the faith, the man who looked the most powerful man in the eye, the Pharaoh, and he said, I am leading a nation out of slavery. That man asked for help. <laughs> he asked for help. No one is invincible. No matter how strong you think you are, that is why we need a few trusted friends to stand with us. Without them, life would be very empty. And you know, here's what I love about this church. You don't have to fight alone. You don't have to do life alone. There are people in this room who will come alongside you, who will pray for you. There are connect groups you can join. There are teams you can serve on. There are ministries that you can help grow. They are here so that they can build genuine friendship and relationship with you. Praise God for that. Do you know it is a fact that one goose, one goose can fly 75% further when it is in formation than when it flies alone. 75% further. Do you know, can I say this? I'll be very honest with you. The season that my wife and I are still walking through, we're still walking through the loss of, of L. You don't get over the death of your, your child, especially when you have held her for three days. You don't, you don't get over that. There were days when I didn't want to get out of bed. There were days when I thought I would never preach again. 
There were days when I questioned why I was even alive. But the prayers of the people, the prayers of the church, the prayers of people I never even met. Oh, how their support and their help carried us through. Who are you trying to fool today? If Moses can ask for help, then so can you. Then so can you. Do not do life alone. Oh, is this helping you today? The second key that is going to help you have victory in your valley is this. Number two is that you need to keep lifting your hands. Keep lifting your hands. It's easy to lift your hands and and worship God when, when everything is going well. But how often do you lift your hands and praise when, when you're in the fire? If I'm honest, that's where the test is. Especially when God allows you to walk through a season or a valley a lot longer than you had ever planned. That's the test of your faith. For example, how many of you woke up this morning and lifted your hands and, and thanked God for all the problems that you're currently in? God, I thank you for the job I still hate. God, I thank you that I'm still single. It always gets a nervous laugh, that one. God, I thank you that you haven't answered my prayers. God, I thank you for the annoying boss that I have to look at every single day. God, I thank you for this valley season. It feels amazing. (laughs) I don't think many of you would have prayed those prayers this morning. Actually, it can be quite frustrating when God seems to withhold those things that you so desperately desire and want to see. Uh, We think we know what we want, and we think we know what the best way is to go about getting it. However, in my own more recent valley, I have learned that God is up to something as I pass through it. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is up to something. Now turn to your least favorite neighbor and say, God is up to something. Uh, Some of you husbands are in trouble when you get home. You turn the wrong way first. You turn the wrong way first. God is up to something bigger than you can currently see. 1 John 5.15 tells us that God knows what He is doing. Romans 8.28 states that in all things... God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purposes. Oh, those scriptures sound great when you are in a good place. But how often do you lift your hands and quote them when you are not seeing the fruit of those words? Does your heart, uh, do you get disheartened? Does your faith in Him crumble? Are you tempted to walk away from the call of God on your life? Or do you lift your hands like Moses did because you know that your God you serve is an awesome God. He is a deliverer. He is a provider. He is a protector. He is holy. He is mighty. He is great. He strengthens you when you're weak and He moves mountains when you're least expecting it. Do you know today that the God we serve is an awesome God? If you believe Him, give Him a hand of praise. (laughs) He's an awesome God. Oh, you will always feel tired and weak if you are trying to control things in your own strength. 
That is why you must lift your hands in surrender every single morning and allow God in. Let Him into your control tower for God is up to something. He is up to something. Oh yes, the valley seasons, they can break you, but they can also make you. So don't run from it. Don't quit in it. Endurance is built in the valley. Trust is built in the valley. Hope will always shine through in the valley. It is your victories in the valley that will lead you to the mountaintops that God wants to take you to. Uh, You can Instagram that. That's mine right there. That's for you. So lift your eyes, lift your voice, and lift your hands, and surrender everything you have to Him. For nothing is wasted in the valley. My third and final point, if I could bring the band forward. I've got to bring this to a close, otherwise I'll just preach all day. And then... Pastor Steve will never have me back. (laughs) Okay, watch me. I know they're better looking, but watch me, watch me. The third key to have victory in your valley is this, is that you need to give God all the glory. Give God all the glory. Verse 15 says, And Moses built an altar, And called it, the Lord is my banner, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. Do you know, I have not met many people who enjoy being in a valley season. In fact, most of us want to escape it as soon as trouble hits. However, God often does more in you and through you during these circumstances than when we are on top of a mountain. Now, I know in an ideal world, we all want to live on the mountaintop forever. And you know, one day we will, but not this side of eternity, because we live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world where no one can escape trial or obstacle. However, we can all overcome these trials and obstacles when we walk with the Lord, when we trust the Lord, and we give Him all the glory that He deserves. Oh, now I'm getting to the power part. You see, I enjoy reading and learning from Moses and Joshua, but that was really the warm-up act when it comes to victory in the valley. They were just the entree, the starter, the side order. I mean, you thought they were good and you thought they were brave and you thought they changed the world and uh, they, they are and they were and they did, but they have nothing on my Jesus. Nothing. Nothing on my Jesus. Jesus walked a valley like no other. The Son of God came to earth in human form to pay the ransom for your sin and my sin. The Bible says that He was beaten. He was flogged. He was mocked. He was spat upon. They forced a crown of thorns on His head. They drove a a spear through His side and they crucified Him on a cross. Oh, the enemy thought 
that he had had victory in the valley. But little did he know, little did he know that the fire of hell could not hold him, that death couldn't handle him, and the tomb couldn't keep him. And on the third day, Jesus Christ would conquer the grave. Oh, it was on that day he would strike a knockout punch to Satan's rule and establish his authority all over the earth. It was on that day where Jesus was made available to all humanity in a personal way. It was on that day where the war was won and you and I were equipped with a power like no other. Victory was given to you. Authority was given to you. Power was given to you. You have the power. You have the power. Oh, it was on that day when Jesus had you on his mind. Your name was engraved on his heart. Jesus died on a cross and rose again because he loves you. He passed through the darkest, the deepest, the most painful valley that man could ever experience because he loves you. And so from the oldest to the youngest, I have to tell you this, that he loves you. He loves you more than you will ever understand. So whatever, whatever your valley is today, I want you to remember this scripture in Romans 8, 37. And Pastor Steve touched on it, and I didn't know he was even going to say this. But it is this, it says, Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who first loved us. Overwhelming, overcoming, Steve said. You have the power to overcome. Overwhelming victory is yours. Do you know what overwhelming means? It means that the opposition is useless. It is powerless. It can have no hold over you. So whatever your your valley is today, perhaps it's a bad doctor's report. Maybe it's an ongoing sickness. Perhaps your house fell through. Maybe your business is broke. Perhaps your children are in trouble. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Perhaps you cannot conceive. Maybe you've made some poor choices. Perhaps that addiction won't break. Maybe it feels like you've blown it. Well, whatever it is, through the love of Christ, (laughs) overwhelming victory is yours. Oh, church, I have to tell you that today you have the power. Today you are more than a conqueror. It is your battle that belongs to the Lord. For with my God, all things are possible. For when Jesus Christ, come on band, let's get ready to go. For when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he broke the chains in your mind so that you can walk in freedom. He broke the chains of that addiction. He broke the chains of that battle.